Well, welcome church family. We have been in this prayer and fasting as a church called Pray for 21, where for 21 days we are praying for this year, 2021. Right, with how 2020 went and how 2021 started, we just knew that we had to hit the ground praying. We just really need to come before the Lord on our knees and pray. And one of the things we did as a staff uh, since we started the fast, we, we decided to collect all the names of the people we knew in our church family who have been uh, diagnosed with COVID. And we have a list of these names so that we can pray for them, so that we can check in with them to see how they're doing. And I was looking at that list this past week as we've prayed for many of these names. And I looked at the list and the updates and just about everyone on that list, about 25 people or so, have either fully recovered, which is mostly the case, and then there are some who are improving and are on their way there. But I look at that and I truly believe that God is hearing our prayers. Some people will say, well, that's a matter of time and that's a matter of quarantine. I say, no, with all my heart, by faith, I believe God is hearing our prayers because we've been fasting and praying. One of the men on that list, his name is Michael Gibbs, and he said I could share this with you. Uh, he was one who was tested positive for COVID, and he and his wife Kathleen came to our prayer meeting. We were having these prayer meetings after every service, which by the way, after this service, we're going to have it again. We invite you all to come. But he was there, and, and we've been praying for him. When I reached out to them to see how they were doing, they responded by emailing. They said, thank God we are all good now. Thank God we are all good. And Michael said, we sincerely believe it is because of prayers. But when Michael replied back to my email, he, he said to me, he said, but what I want to know is how are you doing? I've been wondering how you are and how is your hearing? And he's saying with all the election stuff and the COVID stuff and pandemic stuff, he says, it's easy to trivialize what you're going through. How's your hearing? And I have to admit, like, I feel like my hearing is like nothing compared to what so many other people are suffering and, and going through. But what amazes me is that three years after the accident happened, that people are still asking me almost on a weekly basis, how is my hearing? People are still reminding me that they're praying for my hearing. Now, if you're fairly new to the church in the past year or two, uh, you might have not heard the story, but in 2018, I was surfing with a friend, a buddy of mine in Huntington Beach. And on one of the last waves when I was surfing, I went over the falls and I wiped out, which never happens. Trust me, never happens to me. But that day was a freak accident. I, I wipe out. And then whenever I'm underwater, I'm always aware that I could get hit with the surfboard. So I covered my head because I, I never want to get hit with especially the fins of the surfboard. And when I was underwater, I felt like the board had passed over. So I thought I was in the clear. I come up and sure enough, the water was so turbulent. The surfboard had shot back at me and the nose, the tip of the surfboard went straight into my ear. And all of a sudden, everything was spinning, like so fast it was spinning. And then it sounded like everything was muffled as if I were under the water. The thing is, my head was above the water. And I tried to wait for the spinning to stop, but it just would not stop. And it turned out that I had ruptured my eardrum and it had 
thrown me off. My equilibrium was off, and that's why I was so dizzy. And to make a long story short, after many doctor visits and audiology tests, the conclusion that was told to me was, your hearing will probably never be what it was. And that ringing that you hear, which I still hear even as I speak to you now, will probably not go away. And then one of the doctors told me, unless God wants to do a miracle. Unless God wants to do a miracle. Well, nothing's happened. And my question is, why is it that we can pray for a guy like Michael Gibbs, that his COVID would be healed, that he would recover, and God should answer that prayer? Praise God he does that he should answer that prayer to heal Michael, but people have been praying for my hearing, Michael's been praying for my hearing, I've been praying for my own hearing, yet God doesn't deliver. At least he hasn't yet. And maybe you've been praying through this prayer and fast that we've been doing, maybe you've been praying for someone by name for their healing, or maybe you're praying for something in your own life and God has not delivered. And when he doesn't answer prayers, we can feel so deflated and so defeated. Well, we're in a series, and I hope this encourages you, but we're in a series right now called Undefeated. And today I want to call this message, When God Doesn't Deliver. And I pray that by the end of this message, you'll be thoroughly encouraged. And in this message, what I want to do is I want to share with you two kinds of people, at least two kinds of people, whom God may not answer. Let's pray, and then I want to show you those two kinds of people. Would you guys join me in prayer? Uh, Father God, we come before you in prayer. God, we have already experienced just two weeks into this fast how powerful prayer is. God, I pray that you would keep on moving as we fast and we pray before you. I pray that you would show us who you are. And so I pray right now that as we come before your word, Lord, in every room, maybe in the car, wherever people are at right now, as we listen to your word, I pray that your Holy Spirit would do something powerful within us. God, that you would show us the relevance, the timeliness, the power of your word in our lives and in the lives around us, God. Change us by your truth. So I pray that right now you would keep us from distractions, Lord, that we would just really tune in to what you may be saying to us. And Lord, change our lives. Change our lives for the better. So we give you this time, and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So I, I want to start off by asking you a question. Is there anything you can think of that God cannot do? Is there anything God cannot do? Is there any prayer that God cannot answer? And I thought about it this week, and I, I've come to the conclusion, I, I think there is. I think there is something that I found that God cannot do. See, I was reading the scriptures in Mark chapter 6, and in Mark chapter 6, Jesus is in Nazareth, and when he is there, something very intriguing happens. Here, here's what I found. In Mark chapter 6, verse 5, it says this. It says, when Jesus was in Nazareth, he could do no mighty work there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. Now, why in the world couldn't Jesus perform any mighty works? Another version says he couldn't perform any miracles there in his hometown. I mean, Nazareth is his hometown. He is on his home field. 
He's got home field advantage. We all know that we always perform best in our own, own home field. And so why is it that Jesus could not perform any mighty works or any miracles? Well, upon further study, it has nothing to do with Jesus. It has to do with the, the people there. It has to do with the people there, the people there who grew up with Jesus. Because let me show you the context. Look, look what the people there in Nazareth were saying about Jesus. I'll take you back to verse 3, Mark chapter 3 through 5. It says this, they're saying of Jesus, is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary and brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and among his relatives and in his own household. And he could not do a mighty work there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and he healed them. He could do no mighty work, no miracle there. Not because he was incompetent. Oh no, he's competent. He's the Lord. But he couldn't do any miracle there because the people there failed to acknowledge him as Lord. They refused to acknowledge him as Lord. He, he's nobody. He, that guy, that's, that's a Joe Schmo. That's not the son of God. That's the son of the carpenter. That's not, that's not the Christ. That's the kid from the block. That's the kid from down the street. And, and so to them, that's just Jesus, Jesus. Like he, he, ain't, he ain't anything special. He's not the Lord. And so the people, because of their lack of faith in Christ as Lord, refused to go to him seeking any kind of miracle. And because the people of Nazareth wouldn't ask Jesus for a miracle, Jesus could perform no miracle for the people of Nazareth. James chapter 4 verse 2 lays down this very basic yet profound principle. James 4 2 tells us you do not have because you do not ask. You do not have because you do not ask. See, I've discovered something that God cannot do. God cannot answer prayer that does not get prayed. He cannot answer prayer that does not get prayed. So write this down. Here's the first kind of person God may not answer. God may not answer the person who doesn't ask of him. God may not answer the person who doesn't ask of him. Mark Batterson puts it like this. He says, 100% of the prayers that I don't pray will not be answered. 100% of the prayers I don't pray will not get answered. That's just logical. That just makes sense. Now, there's a lot of reasons why we may not ask. And sometimes it's because we lack faith, like the people in Nazareth. But then sometimes it's because maybe something is way too big and we think it's impossible so we don't ask. And then sometimes it's because it's too small and it seems too trivial that we don't ask. Right? See, it's kind of like this. I'm willing to bet that a lot of us, maybe all of us, we have a list of needs in our lives. Like there's a whole bunch of things that we need. Whether you're conscious of it or not, we have a bunch of needs. And I'm willing to bet that we tend to categorize these needs. We, we categorize them as, as needs that are more important 
Like th- these things are a big deal. Then there's things down the list that are less important. Not such a big deal. And if you're anything like me, it's, it's the things that are more important, the big things that, that I consider prayer worthy. Maybe, maybe it's regarding a, a dying loved one or a friend whose heart has been broken or the need for, for income or financial assistance. Those are like big deals, major life decisions. We pray for those things. But then there's smaller things where it's kind of like, yeah, I, I don't know if that's stuff we should be praying for or we need to pray for. Like me in this Pray for 21 fast, besides the daily topics that we're getting each day, I'm praying for that. But I'm also committing to the Lord certain things in my life. There's at least three things that I commit to him every day, asking him to work through. A friend's marriage that needs to be restored. I'm, I'm praying for uh, these two friends of mine that they would make a life-changing decision in their relationship. I'm praying for our church and God's will for our church that we would do what is right according to God's will. And so to me, these are big prayer-worthy things. That they're, they're the things in this category. But then there are things where I'm learning to, to pray for through this fast. Like, for example, this week, there's another need on my list that just doesn't seem that important, but it's almost embarrassing for me to share, but there's this need I have where I couldn't fix the gears on my mountain bike. Like, my gears weren't shifting smoothly or properly, and so for days, I would try to work on my bike, and I'm not the most mechanically inclined, and so I would try to work, and I would get frustrated because I couldn't fix it. And so I would have to walk away. I'm frustrated. I'm flustered. And then I would come back the next day. I would try the same thing, try it again, and I couldn't fix it. In fact, every time I came back, it's almost like I would make it worse. And over 12 days, I kept trying to come back to my bike, trying to fix the gears. And it came to a point where I messed it up so bad, it wouldn't even shift anymore. Not only would it not shift smoothly, it wouldn't even shift anymore. And if anything I've gained from this Pray for 21 fast, I think what it's done for me is it's encouraged me and it's trained me to start praying for everything. Just to pray for everything. Maybe it's because for me, I don't know what you're fasting, but I'm fasting lunch every day and I get so hungry throughout the day that I'm being reminded to pray often. So I'm praying uh, for all these things that are important, but after I pray for those things, it's like, what else do I have to pray for? I'm hungry. What else can I pray for? So I'm praying for all these things and I'm learning to bring everything to God in prayer. And so this past Monday, I started praying. I don't know why I didn't do this earlier, but I said, God, would you help me fix my mountain bike? Like, God, would you just help me fix the gears and get this working properly? And I tell you the truth, the next day, my bike started working and shifting smoothly, perfectly, like butter. Not, not out of nowhere. It's not like all of a sudden it started where I got some help. But, but here's the thing. Until I came to the Lord saying, God, would you help me? Did it start working again? I don't know why I didn't just bring it to him earlier. See, I believe God cares about all things in your life. Why? Because he cares for you. And so cast your cares upon him because he cares for you. And so here's the takeaway. 
Here's the takeaway. Write this down somewhere. Write this word down. Ask. That's the takeaway. Ask. Be bold in the big things and in the small things. In all things, ask boldly of the Lord. Why? Because he cares for you. So cast it all upon him. Let me give you a scripture to attach to that takeaway. Matthew chapter 6, verse 7 and 8, Jesus says it just plain and clear. He says this, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds and the one who knocks, it will be opened. And so take it from Jesus, just ask. So that's the first kind of person whom the Lord may not answer, the one who does not ask. And so the takeaway is to ask. But here's the second thing. Write this down. Here's another person God may not answer. God may not answer the person who loves him. God may not answer the person who loves him. And that's not a typo. Let me explain. And I want to be careful when I say this because what I'm not saying, I'm not saying that it's as if, if you love him, God won't answer you because you love him. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is that you can love God genuinely. You can love God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. And yet that does not guarantee that God will always answer according to your ask. Doesn't guarantee that God will deliver according to what you've asked for. See, the, the truth is your love for God, as real as that may be, your love for God doesn't determine if God will answer your prayer. Rather, it's God's love for you that determines if God will answer your prayer or if he doesn't answer your prayer. But it's God's love that determines how he chooses to respond to your prayer. And sometimes God's love for you is going to be so deep. It's always deep, but sometimes it's God's love for you that he chooses not to deliver according to what you ask for. You know, my mom loves me. I know she does. Throughout my life, there's evidence that she loves me. She's never held back her generosity toward me. Remember, I was in high school, and every time I would go to the mall with my friends, I'd ask for some money so I could buy, buy some clothes, and she never held back. She always gave according to what I asked. When I was in high school, I wanted blonde bangs. That was the cool thing, and she thought it was completely ugly, but she didn't hold back. She let me have my blonde bangs. When I was able to drive and I wanted a car, she didn't hold back. She let me get my car. And so my, my mom loved me and she always gave me whatever it was that I asked for. You could call that spoiled. I call it love. She really never said no to anything. But then I wanted a motorcycle. And I wanted to get my motorcycle license and I wanted to, to ride a motorcycle. And she said, absolutely not. She said, no way. And it was like the first time my mom really said no. And I've never seen her put her foot down as heavy as she did when it came to me wanting a motorcycle. Why did she say no? Was it because I didn't love her enough? No, it's because she loved me 
that much. It was her love for me that caused her to make the decision and say, no, I will not honor that request. You're not getting a motorcycle. And it's the first time I've seen her put her foot down. My point is this, you could love God so deeply. You could love him with all your heart, but that's not going to guarantee an answer to your prayers according to what you ask for. And yet it is God's deep love for you that God answers or doesn't answer your prayers. And the question is, when he doesn't answer, will you love him still? Will you love him still and will you trust his will? Will you love him still and will you trust his will? In the book of Daniel, Daniel chapter 3, there's three men named Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Maybe if you grew up in church, you're familiar with these names. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had a deep love for God. These men loved God. Here's how much they loved God. The most powerful man in the kingdom, King Nebuchadnezzar, he, he builds this huge golden image of himself and he makes it a rule that you must bow down to worship this image of me. Doesn't matter who you are, you must bow down and worship. And here's how much King Nebuchadnezzar wanted people to worship him. If you didn't, you would be thrown into the fiery furnace, blazing hot fiery furnace, as your reward if you do not bow. Well, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego step up to the window, and they essentially say, we'll take three of those tickets, please. Those one-way tickets into the blazing fire furnace. Why? Why? Because they refused to bow. They refused to bow to anyone other than the Lord their God. Here's what it said in Daniel chapter 3, verse 17. This is how they answered the king in the face of adversity. In verse 17, it says, If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's, majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. And here's what they're saying. God is able to deliver us. And our God will deliver us. But even if he doesn't deliver us, his name is worthy to be praised, not yours and not nobody else's. And so they resolved in their hearts that they're going to love him still and they're going to trust his will. That's exactly what happens. If you read the story in Daniel 3, they get thrown into the fire. They don't just talk, the, talk they walk the walk straight into the blazing furnace. And it is with that resolve, church, that I believe we as Christ followers ought to pray through all things. That this is how we ought to pray through our trials. This is how we should pray for healing. This is how we should pray for deliverance. This is how we should pray when there's spiritual attack. This is how we should pray when there's a diagnosis of terminal cancer. This is how we should pray when we have hearing loss. We should pray, God, we believe that you will deliver. 
We know you're able to deliver. But even if you don't deliver according to what we ask, we will love you still. And we will trust your will. For your name is worthy to be praised. God, we ask that you deliver. But we love you still and we trust your will. But it starts with us asking. It starts with us asking. I'm sure Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, I'm sure that they asked the Lord to deliver them. I'm sure if they're anything like me and you, I'm sure they were saying, God, please deliver us. Please keep us from the flames. Please protect us. Don't let us go through that. Don't let us suffer. Like in my prayers, if you were to hear me talk to God, you'll hear me ask God. And you'll hear me say, God, according to my understanding, according to my heart, this is what I ask. Heal her from her stage four cancer. Get him off of the ventilator. Let him breathe again on his own. God, please heal my hearing. And I'll, I'll ask, and so should you. We start by asking. We ask boldly for all things. But we end by loving him still and trusting his will. God may not necessarily deliver according to how you ask, but I promise you this, God will deliver. And it's not if he'll deliver, it's when and how he'll deliver, but he'll deliver. Back in uh, 2015, if you were here at our church, I invited the church into this journey with me to pray for my friend's little daughter, Emily. And little Emily was only 19 months old when she was diagnosed with neuroblastoma, stage four neuroblastoma. It's this high risk cancer that's incredibly hard for a child to beat. And as we joined in this journey to pray for her, we were receiving updates along with tens of thousands of other people following her story, we would get these updates where on one update, she'd be laughing and dancing, and then there'd be another update of a, yet another treatment of chemotherapy. And then there'd be another picture of her celebrating a birthday, eating candy, and then there'd be another update of her being isolated in a hospital, not able to even touch or see her parents for an entire week. And there would be these reports of progress and improvement sprinkled among gut-wrenching, heartbreaking, just hard-to-read updates of more suffering for baby Emily. And I know I'm not the only one. I know I'm not the only one among us, but I, man, man, did I ask. And I would pray, God, would you heal Emily? God, wipe out her cancer. Take away neuroblastoma. May she never have to go through another chemo treatment again. May you bring her back to her home, restore her 100%. May she never see the hospital room again. And I would ask, and I would ask, and I would ask the best way I knew how. God, this is my understanding. This is the best case scenario according to my, to my knowledge. And I'm asking God. And then on August 7th, the Lord took El Emily home to be with him forever. He took her home. And the question that I had after that was, God, why? 
Like, I get it. She's in a good place now. I, I don't question that. I get that. But why did she have to suffer so much? If you knew the number of her days, and if you knew that you were going to take her home anyway, then why that year and a half of suffering? Why put that little precious body through all of that? And I'm here to say, I don't know the reasons why God allows his loved ones to suffer. I don't know all the reasons. I can suggest reasons. I don't know why his loved ones should suffer through COVID or cancer. I don't know why they should suffer through mental health or emotional hurt. I don't know why they have to suffer the loss of a loved one or the loss of a job. I don't know why they have to suffer through pneumonia or neuroblastoma, through stress or through a stroke. I don't know why. But if God doesn't deliver according to what we ask, we will love him still and trust his will. And we trust that God is able to deliver in his time and in his way. According to his will, we believe it. And even if the result ends up in death. The promise is that those who are in Christ are delivered, not just from what they were suffering from, but they will ultimately be delivered from death itself. Because when they arrive alive and well at heaven's shore in the presence of perfection, there in the glory of Jesus Christ our King, I know that they will not only have been delivered from their suffering, but they will also be delivered from any kind of remorse regarding the suffering they once knew. Like I know baby Emily has been delivered from neuroblastoma. I know that in my head. I know she's cancer free and she's got a perfect new body in the presence of Jesus and I rejoice in that. But I also know that right now as she is there with her king, the lover of her soul, I know that she is not in heaven pounding her fist at God in protest, saying to God, why though, why did I have to go through that, God? Why did you put me through that? Why why did you show that you did not love me? I, I know she's not protesting right now in the presence of Jesus. Because I believe she has been delivered from any regret, any remorse for her suffering. How do I know that? 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17 tells me this. It says this, for this light momentary affliction, here on earth it applies, this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Paul's saying our light and momentary troubles on this earth pale in in comparison to the eternal glory that far outweighs any of our experience here on earth. And Paul was a guy who knew suffering. He knew what it was like to go through suffering. And he says it, it has nothing on the glory that awaits us. And if God's loved ones could even remember their past suffering on earth, I don't even know if they can, but if they could, it would be but a faint memory that fades away in comparison to the experience, the eternal experience that they have with Christ our King. It doesn't even compare. So years ago, my friend Mike, 
he scored some tickets to a Jay-Z concert, and he was so excited. He was so excited because to my friend Mike, Jay-Z, a.k.a. Hova, is the greatest rapper of all time. And if you are so holy that you don't even know who Jay-Z is, well, neither do I. But my friend was telling me about this Jay-Z guy, and, and he's so excited because he loves him, and he, he got a date, and they show up to the, the, the place early, right? They don't want to miss a single second of this Jay-Z concert. So they go early, they get their seats, and you know when you're excited, right? You're waiting in anticipation. Every minute counts, right? Every minute feels like an eternity. Well, he tells me that when it came time for the concert to start, Jay-Z doesn't show up. Jay-Z is a no-show. And he says a half an hour goes by, 30 minutes, each minute being like an eternity, 30 of those minutes go by, no Jay-Z. And then an hour goes by, no Jay-Z. And he's anticipating and he's just, he's just frustrated, he's impatient, and he's furious. And two hours into it, guess what happens? Jay-Z still doesn't show up. And he's just like so like, he's so frustrated. He said, I paid a lot of money for these tickets. Where is Jay-Z? And it came to a point where he he goes to me, he goes, I I was like, I hate Jay-Z. He is the worst rapper in the world. And he was so upset that he should get stood up by Jay-Z. Guess what happens at the third hour? Nothing, except that three hours has just gone by. And now my friend Mike, he doesn't even know what to do. Do I leave and go home or do I stay? I paid a lot of money for these tickets. What if I leave it? Then he shows up. He goes, what do I do? And he's so angry over this whole situation. And then he says this to me. He says, all of a sudden, Jay-Z shows up. Three hours later, Jay-Z shows up. The stage lit up. And then for the rest of the night, Jay-Z lit up the stage, he said. He said it was the most amazing, surreal experience. The best concert he's ever been to. Jay-Z, a.k.a. Jehovah, showed up and he said he delivered. And here's what Mike told me. As he recalls that story, he says, it was so weird because in the time of waiting, I was suffering. I was angry. I was in agony. I was so mad. But he says, but when Jay-Z stood before them, it's so weird that all of that just melted away. And my friend Mike was so caught up in the fact that Jay-Z is here and he's here right in front of us in person. He's even more amazing in person. And though my friend Mike knew that he was upset, it's like all of that faded. All of that was outweighed. All of that was overshadowed by the amazing, out of this world, killer performance. And his conclusion at the end of that all was, Greg, I love Jay-Z. I love Jay-Z. I'm so glad I went. It was worth the wait. It was worth the wait. In other words, the suffering faded in light of the enjoyment of the reward. All that suffering faded 
in light of the enjoyment of his reward. I share that with you because, friends, if you are in Christ, if you are in Christ, I can't guarantee you that you will not suffer in this lifetime. In fact, the Bible tells us you probably will suffer. But I can guarantee you this, that God will deliver. Maybe not in the way you ask or the way you expect, but in his time and in his way. And so if you have COVID, you will be delivered. And if you have cancer, you will be delivered. And if you're going through despair, you will be delivered. And if you are sick, you will be delivered. And if you find yourself homeless, you will be delivered. It is not if, it is when, and it is how. And when the deliverance comes, whether it's this side of heaven or that side of heaven, I trust with all my heart what the word says, that your remorse will be replaced with rejoicing, that your despair will be replaced with dancing, that your sorrow will turn to celebration if you are in Christ. And so the first takeaway is ask. Ask boldly. The second takeaway is to love him still and trust his will. Will you ask, like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, be bold and ask God to deliver now. Believe that God will deliver now, that he can deliver now. But if he doesn't deliver now, in the way that you ask, love him still. And know that it's not your love for him that determines how he answers. It's his love for you that determines if God answers, how God answers, and when God answers. It is his love for you. And so we ask. And if he doesn't deliver according to our ask, we love him still and we trust his will. Let me give you a final scripture to attach to that. As we close, I want to bring you to one last story. It's in Mark chapter 14. And in Mark chapter 14, Jesus is crying out to the Father. And he says to the Father, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow, even to the point of death. And Jesus is there in the garden and he's praying through his suffering. And I don't know what kind of suffering you've gone through, but have you ever sweat tears of blood because you were so stressed out? over the fact that you're about to die, brutally murdered. And so Jesus is crying out to God, but Jesus, as he prays through his suffering, he asks, boldly he asks of his father, and in Mark 14, 36, he asks his father, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me. What's he asking? He's saying, Father, deliver me. Don't let me go through the suffering. Don't let me die. God, I know you can do this. And so he asks. But he also knows of the Father's love. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son for this very moment. He knows the Father's love. And if the Father's not going to deliver according to my ask, then it's out of his perfect love that that the Father will determine how and when he should deliver. And so Jesus finished his prayer. He continued to pray, yet not what I will, but what you will. 
And so Jesus asked boldly, but he loved them still. And he trusted his will. And what was the result? Three days later, not three hours later, but three days later, God showed up. Jehovah, the real Jehovah showed up and he delivered. He delivered his son from the darkness of the grave and he delivered the world from the grips of death. And he who believes in him shall not perish, but be delivered unto eternal life. He will show up and he will deliver. Do you trust him? Do you love him still? And will you trust his will? Well, will you bow your head with me and I wanna spend some time in prayer with you. And I pray that this message means something deep to you. And the reality is this promise that God will deliver for us is a promise for those who know him, for those who have put their faith in him, for those who come to him. And so I pray that these words will be true for you. And the only requirement is that you put your faith in Jesus Christ, that he is Lord, that you wouldn't walk like the people in Nazareth, but you would come and ask him because you trust he is Lord. And so I want to encourage you right now. The Bible says that if you believe by faith, you put your trust in him, you will be saved. He will answer the greatest need that we all have, and that's, that's salvation from our sins and acceptance into eternal life. And so let's pray. I want to invite you to pray. And if you've never made that commitment before, I want to lead you in a prayer. And I want to encourage you from wherever you are to talk to God as if you're talking to him yourself. And come to him in faith and pray something like this. Father God, I want to come to you in faith. And I want to ask that you forgive me of my sins. I want to ask that you would come into my life. I want to ask that you give me hope, not just for this lifetime, but for eternity. And so Lord, help me to follow you. Teach me more and more about what that means and what that looks like. But for this very moment, I come to you in faith and I give you my life. Lord, fill me with encouragement and hope that I could come to you anytime and help me to trust that you will deliver in your way according to your will. I love you, Lord, and I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you pray that prayer with me, I want to congratulate you. You are now a son or you're a daughter of God. And if, if you made a commitment, please let us know. Let someone know in the chat if you're watching from YouTube or Church Online, or you can email us um, from our website and let us know of your decision. We would love to connect with you and, and, and show you some next steps that you can take to keep walking with Christ. Well, God bless you.